What's up, guys? Welcome to our podcast. This is the Dickinson Channel. My name's Sarah. I'm Marissa. I'm H.J. And I'm Erica. And we're talking to you today about two famous poems by the Emily Dickinson. The two poems we're talking about are Success is Counted Sweetest and Water is Taught by Thirst, which all ties into the positive outlook on life. First off, we're going to introduce Emily a little bit, just to give you guys some background information. She was born in Amherst, Massachusetts on December 10th, 1830. Do you know that she was never famous throughout her lifetime? She didn't even get recognition for her poems until after her death. I actually heard about that too. I was so surprised because she's such a well-known poet today. I also read that her sister found over 1,800 poems after her death. She never even got the recognition she has until now after her death. Her first poem wasn't published until 1890, while her death was in 1886. In her early years of life, she preferred to be isolated. Her mental health was fragile and continued this way throughout her life. This influenced many of the poems we know today. So who do you think influenced these poems? Well, according to Poets.org, her younger sister, Lavinia, lived in isolation her whole life, similar to Emily, who was recognized as not only a sibling, but an intellectual companion. Yeah, after first glancing at the title, Success is Counted Sweetest, I thought it would be about all the hard work and determination that contributed to the success of an individual. Yeah, but after fully reading the poem, it goes so much more in depth than expected. This poem starts out with the lines, Success is Counted Sweetest by those who near succeed. To comprehend a nectar requires sorest need. So what she's trying to say is that in order to achieve success, people need to understand how it feels to not succeed. One must know how it really feels to fail to understand success. Yeah, for example, the first two lines read, success is counted sweetest by those who near succeed. Basically just trying to say that success is most appreciated by the ones who nearly succeed, but didn't. It describes the strange fact that you have to be denied something before you can truly appreciate it. Continuing the poem, she then says, Not one of all the purple hosts who took the flag today can tell the definition so clear of victory. This portion of the poem talks about soldiers who have won war but still don't understand what it feels like to succeed. In spite of technically having a victory, the winning soldiers can't experience real success because they don't know the feeling of failure. So for example, she then says that none of the soldiers who took the flag can tell the definition of victory because they haven't really felt loss. Then she adds, as he defeated dying on whose forbidden ear, the distant strains of triumph First, agonized and clear. This third stanza is an image of a dying warrior on the losing side of the battle who can hear the winning soldiers celebrating. The speaker uses someone who has failed yet fully understands what it feels like to win. Dickinson emphasizes how a fallen soldier understands and appreciates the value of success way more than the victorious soldier did. Yeah, she's trying to give an image of a dying soldier who can hear the opposing soldiers cheering from their victory. Hearing their triumph makes him want it even more, and when he does succeed in the future, it will mean more to him than other soldiers. What I found interesting, though, is that the poem uses third-person point of view, which makes the tone sound really impersonal. Yeah, the speaker is interpreting what she sees, but doesn't want to show compassion. So in summary, failure is just motivation to succeed. The poem Water is Taught by Thirst by Dickinson has a similar overall message as Success is Counted Sweetest. Again, when I first read the title of the poem, I thought that it was literal. I mean, I literally imagined someone just being thirsty. But after reading the poem, I realized it's a metaphor for a way deeper meaning, which we'll get to after. Water is Taught by Thirst by Emily Dickinson. 
Water is taught by thirst, land by the ocean's past, transport by throw, peace by its battles told, love by memorial mold, bird by the snow. The theme of this poem is centralized around the idea that we are taught what something is by the lack of that something, meaning that it's hard to realize what you have until it's not there anymore. Exactly. For example, in the first line, she says that water is taught by thirst, meaning that you don't understand how important water is until you're thirsty. Then she just keeps listing off things you don't miss until they're absent. Yeah, in the first five lines, she mentions everything that are key parts of life that we tend to overlook. Water, land, happiness, sadness, peace, war, love, and loss are all commonplace things in life that everyone experiences. So she's trying to send a message to remind people to just be grateful for all these things and not just wait until they're gone to appreciate them. It's so weird because this is such a similar message to success is kind of sweetest. Yeah, they both are trying to make the point just not to take things for granted. Dickinson does this in a lot of her poems because she always writes poems that have an inspiring message at the end. In her poem, she's always encouraging people to notice all miracles, big and small, that they might take for granted in their daily lives. True. That's why she's one of my favorite poets. Same here. Retweet. So overall, what do you guys think her purpose for writing these poems were? Well, I mean, I think that her purpose was to put her audience into perspective that life is never going to be easy, but it'll only be what we make of it. I totally agree. She puts an entertaining sense into her poems, making it easier to read as well understand. She advocates her point of a view in a positive light, as we should learn to appreciate what we have. Definitely. In regards to connecting these pieces together, we should learn to appreciate what we have, including our failures. Without failure in our life, we would not, we would not be able to acknowledge our successes, lacking the search for true happiness. That makes sense. So if this was the central idea for both pieces, her life must have had something to do with her purpose. She spent so many years in isolation, so this must have been a way to cope if she was feeling lonely. I had a really similar thought process, Sarah. It's almost like she was writing to convince herself of the positive lifestyle that she had been dreaming of having but never did. To be continued.